Welcome to Player Pandemonium, a podcast about, well, video games. Let's talk about remakes and remasters. Whoever said you can't teach an old dog new tricks hasn't been around modern media. In the world of Hollywood today, the silver screen is loaded with remakes, re-releases, and reboots. Makes a lot of sense if you think about it in a money standpoint. Why risk trying something new and failing at it when you can just get an already established property and you have a much better chance at success? In the video game world, remakes have also become a major seller. There's nothing like trying to recapture that lightning in a bottle. The challenge of getting a game that's already great and loved and making it even better with today's technology. Making fans who enjoy it fall in love again while getting newer fans to fall in love with it for the very first time. However, there's danger when making a remake. If the remake's done poorly, it can anger and alienate your older audience that's familiar with your franchise, along with newer viewers being left with a bad taste in their mouths. Tarnishing what made the franchise great in the first place. But when a remake is done well, it can be a love letter to fans of set series along with attracting a new audience that falls in love with the product just as much as the generation before it. So today we're going to talk about some of the greatest video game remakes, but I'm not alone on this adventure. I'm here with my friends Trey and Joe. Each of us is going to talk about our personal top three video game remakes, so let me lay down some ground rules for this. The remake has to have a significant difference from its original game. A simple up-res or HD cleanup is not going to be enough to be on this list. Also, you're only allowed one game per franchise, so you can't just pick three Zelda remakes and call it good. You gotta try better than that. So let's get this roundtable started. I randomized the names in the order when we're doing this, so it will go Joe, then Trey, then me. Each of us will talk about our number threes, our number twos, and last but not least, our number ones. So Joe, I'll let you take the mic and tell all five of our listeners uh, what your number three remake is. Alright, I guess I'm up first. Um, My pick for number three uh, is... Probably not going to make most people's list, but it holds a very special place in my heart. Um, Kirby Nightmare in Dreamland, the remake of Kirby's Adventure for the Game Boy Advance. Um, uh, it all comes full circle with my podcast. Uh-huh. Now, it? Yeah, yeah. I bet <laughs> Ethan's glad I chose that one. Um, yeah, Nightmare in Dreamland was a game that I... Um, it was one of my formative video games, I'll say. I, um, I played it on the GBA back when I was about nine years old. Uh, I didn't obviously know that it was a remake at the time, um, and I kind of embarrassingly discovered after the fact that, like, oh, Kirby's this this Kirby's Adventure is awfully similar to Nightmare in Dreamland that I love so much, but um, I guess as far as why I brought it um, as my number three, I feel like Kirby's Adventure is, it's a great game that was kind of held back by the limitations of the hardware it was developed for. Um, I, I, I can agree with, with that. With the, the biggest sticking point being the amount of slowdown in the game. Like, that game looks has oh, very yes. nice visuals for an NES game, but unfortunately it comes at the cost of performance a lot of the time. Um, whereas with Nightmare in Dreamland, like, it looks great for its platform, and it runs, like, perfectly. So, you know, that issue is resolved. Um, on top of that, I feel like they made the controls a lot smoother. Um, namely, I like that you can just continue to push the jump button to float instead of having to push up on the D-pad. That was always kind of kind of awkward to me, but, you know, minor. But nice. Um, I like the new visuals. Obviously, the game is very well animated and has really nicely drawn and animated sprites uh, for the Game Boy Advance. One of the better-looking games, I'll say. And it also, oddly for a GBA game, has a really well-done soundtrack, I think. You guys may or may not agree, but I think um, Nightmare in Dreamland actually... The music in that game is of comparable quality to the NES version, and like I consider, I kind of hold them both in equal regard. It just kind of depends on what mood I'm in. Um, like, what sound font do you want to listen to that day of uh-huh. the same songs? Sure. <laughs> 
Um, on top of that, I feel like it, it, it didn't add a whole lot of extra content, but the content that it did add was pretty cool. I especially liked the um, meta nightmare mode that you can unlock if you get 100% on extra mode, where you just play through the whole game in one sitting as um, meta knight with three hit points. That was a lot of fun to, to kind of speed run. And yeah, Kirby Nightmare in Dreamland. Uh, not the most revolutionary remake in the world, but probably, in my opinion, the version of Kirby's Adventure that I would recommend to most people. So, if you have to play the entire game as Meta Knight, where you normally fight Meta Knight, do you fight Kirby? No, you just inexplicably fight Meta Knight again. <laughs> Trust no, there's one. two Meta Knights! Yeah. And then Kirby's, uh, Kirby and the Amazing Mirror saw that and was like, let's run with that, that's a good idea. Trust no one, not even yourself. Now, I can't remember, Trey. I know we did a... On, on Gear Check Games, our Let's Play channel, we actually did a playthrough of Nightmare in Dreamland, but I forget. Have you played Nightmare in Dreamland? I have not. The only Kirby game I feel like I've, I've played all the way through and beat is Kirby's Dreamland 2 on the Game Boy. Because mm -hmm. I know I know Ethan's played it, because um, he recommended it on his one of his prior podcasts. What do you <laughs> think of Nightmare in Dreamland, Ethan? Uh, I like it. It's a good remake. I, like I said on the first episode, you know, he came with a real good remake in Nightmare in Dreamland. Oh, so part of me kind of has a soft spot for the original, but like if you're sure. gonna play Kirby for the first time, Nightmare in Dreamland is definitely the one to go after because it, like I said, like you said, it runs a little better. It's a little cleaner. It's a little more. It's a little more. It's a little more polished. Mm -hmm. It's like the more ideal way to play that game. It sounds like. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not as accessible. Like you can get Kirby's Adventure on Switch with the online app, but um, oh, yeah. unfortunately, the only current way to purchase uh, Nightmare in Dreamland is on the Wii U eShop, which you know, obviously, not as many people own. But it is a good version of the game. Like it, you know, it's 1080p. It runs about as well as you could hope. Just a just a good solid emulation. So if you're gonna pick up Nightmare in Dreamland, that's where I recommend that you grab it for yourself. Okay. All right, uh, Trey, what's your number three? My number three, it's kind of halfway between like a remake and an up-res, um, but I feel like it still counts. It's the Halo um, Halo 1 Combat Evolved Anniversary that they did for the 360. Mm, that's a good one. Um, it is, and that's another one that we played on our channel, but that's one of the reasons is because it's such a good remake. Uh, they, they smoothed out the gameplay. There's no slowdown. Uh, there's a whole new graphics engine uh, that you can switch to, um, and it, it runs on an HD system. It's widescreen. Um, they give you the option to play uh, Halo Reach multiplayer. It's packed in with the game. So even if you didn't have Halo Reach, like if you still bought Halo CE Anniversary, as long as you had Xbox Live, you could still play with people playing Reach, which was the newest mainline Halo at the time. That's a pretty good uh, bonus, honestly. It really is, and I think if you play with the CE disc, I'm pretty sure you get, like, bonus. Um, there's, like, an extra piece of gear that you get that signifies that you purchased it, and you can use it both in the Reach multiplayer, if, no matter if you play it on that disc or on another one. It's just like, hey, you earned it. Here you go. Nice. Isn't there a thing in that game where, like, you can, like, hit a button and it switches between the old graphics and, like, the redone graphics? Yeah. That's one of the coolest features of it. Uh, is it's 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 the same game with the same gameplay, but with a new skin. So mm. uh, in in a lot of parts, it feels like a different game, and that's what we even said during our playthrough. Was um, like there are parts of this game that feel like a different game, like and it technically was made by it was upresed by a different studio. It was 
by the people who manage the Halo property now, 343 Studios. That was kind of like their first venture into managing the Halo franchise. And it was a dang good job. Like, mm-hmm. it's a it, it's a bang-up remake. Um, it's fun. They didn't re-record any of the lines. Because uh, luckily the Xbox, by that point, they had good recording software. Uh, but some of the models are still kind of goofy looking. Mm-hmm. So they, they, they tried to clean them up with the, the HD texture pack. Um, but it's just a good, it's just a fun, good way to play that game. Um, because if you don't have an original Xbox or if you don't want to look at the ugliness of the original for four or five hours at a time, you can get the CE version for dirt cheap. I I think I got it for like 20 bucks. Like it's, it's cheap everywhere. Mm -hmm. And that anniversary edition is available on uh, Xbox one and PC, uh, PC now too, isn't it? Yeah. You can get it on PC. Um, I think it's already out on the um, Master Chief Collection. If nice. if you bought it on Steam, I think it comes with it. Sweet. Yeah, um, this is one that I personally haven't played, but I was there for the Let's Play, obviously. Um, I think the thing I appreciate most about um, the Anniversary Edition is the fact that it presents the original game in its original form to you as an option. Yeah. Um, because one of the issues, I, I, I know we're here to celebrate remakes, but one fear that I always have when a remake of a game that I love is announced is that it's going to replace the original. I guess, you know, to, to, to give credit to the anniversary edition of uh, the original Halo, they give you, like, the original gameplay with the original graphics, like, if you want it, you know, and you can switch on the fly, which, on a technical level, is pretty impressive. But I, I just appreciate that they, they, they continue to celebrate the original game, like, as it was, in addition to, like, the new shiny version that they made. Alright, I guess I guess I'm up now. Um, yeah. So, little little fact here is, I got really late into Metroid. Like, the first Metroid game I played was actually Metroid Fusion on the Game Boy Advance. Dang. Because, like, even my back then, I didn't have a Super Nintendo, so I never really got to play Super Metroid. So then I finally played it, so that's how I got interested in Metroid. And then I traded the original Metroid on NES, and to be honest, I really didn't like it. I felt like it was really clunky. Oh, it was man. really... I feel like it was a bit too ambitious for its time. Like, it tried to do too much with the technology that it had. Mm-hmm. So when I heard that um, Metroid was going to need a remake is Metroid Zero Mission on the GPA, it kind of felt like the best of both worlds to me. Where it was, you know, it was a game I wanted to try out, but just, like, couldn't get into. But it was on an engine that I was familiar with and I really liked, with the Fusion engine. Mm-hmm. And Zero Mission does add, you know, it's the it's a remake of the original Metroid. It adds more missions to it. Like, I believe it has the Zero Suit Samus, like, stealth sections. Yeah, the epilogue section. So, yeah, it adds more to the game that you like, and, like... I mean, it's a really solid remake, honestly. I, I would highly recommend... You talked about how you don't like it where remakes replace the original. There's some cases where I feel like that's kind of a good thing, and this yeah. is one of those cases where I don't think anyone should play the original because Zero Mission exists. And my only my only gripe with it is that the game is, if you know what you're doing, really short. Mm-hmm. And fairly easy but, for I a mean, lot of it. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a good game to be like, you know, your first Metroid game should probably be Zero Mission. Definitely. Yeah, um, if if not for the fact that I knew that you were going to talk about it, I would have put Zero Mission on my list as well. Because it really is, like... It, I feel like it was kind of a necessary game to make at that point, because 
mm-hmm. with like the Prime series, Metroid kind of like reached a wider audience than it ever had before. And obviously, there were going to be a lot of people who wanted to like look back and see where the like the story of Samus Aran began. And Zero Mission for um, a, a novice player is is a really good way to do that. Um, I will say my one issue with the game is that I, f- even though I would say it's on most levels, it is a much better executed game than the original Metroid. I feel like it doesn't really follow in the spirit of that game because you know the original Metroid was like yeah, it's like old, it's crusty, it's archaic, but it, there is a certain kind of fun to be had with that kind of like old esoteric adventure game where you have to like remember thing where things are and draw out your own map. Like it doesn't sound fun, but I assure you it is to a degree. There are other things holding that game back, but like I feel like Zero Mission may have streamlined things a little too much for its own good. Where it like tells you like the location of your next objective. I, I don't know. Yeah. For, for a Metroid game to me that for me that's a little that's going a little too far. But I mean, again, the, the... like Halo Combat Evolved Anniversary, um, you can unlock the original Metroid as an option. Uh, once you complete like zero mission, so like again, they're cele- they're continuing to present and celebrate the original. So at the end of the day, no harm, no foul, really. Yeah, like the addition of the pack, the packed in original Metroid to me really completes that game. I I always found that really funny that they did that because I remember the Game Boy Advance also had that NES series where they gave like oh, yeah. save save states to all the. <laughs> The old NES games, and they were, like, real cheap. They were, like, 20 bucks. Yeah, for some reason, the Metroid one just didn't sell that well. I wonder why. Yeah. It was it was kind of weird. Like, why did they make this? Why not just make more copies of Zero Mission? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. There's... <laughs> as much as I would love for the whole, like, including the original as a bonus to be the standard for remakes, I can understand why Nintendo doesn't do that, because... Yeah. You know, they do like to, to ask a lot for their legacy content when they do God. choose to release it, so... Like with Kirby, you can get um, Zero Mission on the eShop, like, with the original Metroid still intact, so there you go, if you want to try it out. Yeah. Like I said, I feel like Metroid, it's, you, it's Metroid Zero Mission, it's, you got the best of the 2D style, in my opinion, with the a story from a earlier time with the original. Yeah. I feel like it's kind of a best of both worlds situation. Mm-hmm. God, I love how... I'm just going to gush about it for a second. I love how that game also tells the original story still wordlessly. Yeah. But like yeah. all with like, like just those like comic book style cutscenes. Right. Right. I, I, and I, I, I like that the comic book style kind of like pervades the whole like graphical style of the game too. There's a lot of very like pronounced like black shadows on everything. It just has a really cool look for a Metroid game. Yeah. And it's got that entire, it's got the entire Metroid one, uh, soundtrack redone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, K- kind of. It almost sounds like what Metroid Prime would have sounded like on the GBA to me. Yeah, that makes sense. Same composer. Yeah. All right, Joe, you're back up for your number two. All right, moving on to number two. Um, this is one that personally I'm a little bit conflicted on, but just speaking from a general perspective, I do think it is a great improvement on the original for most people. Uh, The Legend of Zelda, the Wind Waker HD uh, for the Wii U. Uh, Wind Waker has always been a game that I loved. Again, another one of my formative games. Um, But, you know, people do have, like, their right criticisms of the game with the the slow pace of the sailing and some of the clunkier 
design elements like you know not being able to change the wind direction while you're moving or um, like the grappling hook locking you into a fixed direction or you know the whole Triforce hunt at the end like that was just a mess in the GameCube yeah. version pardon me um, but I really I really appreciated just how streamlined the uh, HD version was just with the simple addition of the Wii U gamepad you know, they were able to add, like, gyro aiming for your, um, all of your first-person weapons, like your bow and your grappling hook and the hookshot. They added the extra screen so you can have your maps displayed while you're sailing, um, which surprisingly saves a lot of time because you can kind of plan things out while you're, like, sailing to your next de destination, which is really convenient. And they also added the, um the swift sail to the game, an optional item you can purchase that makes your boat go twice as fast, so that kind of cuts down on the travel time, too. Um, That's a real good addition, too. <laughs> that ocean is humongous. Mm -hmm, it is, and it, the, the Wind Waker HD, it's just a much smoother experience. And it, it's, to me, it's kind of... It's kind of like that game's potential, like, not fully realized, but, like, more... more fully realized, I'll say. Uh, the one caveat I have with the remake is that although the new graphics, like, look nice most of the time, there are a few areas where I feel like the new lighting engine doesn't really mesh well with the character models. Um, like, when you get close to a really strong light source, it doesn't look cel-shaded anymore, and it, you know, all the characters just start to look like plastic figurines. But yeah. in, in, you know, compared to the, all of the benefits that it adds with the new control scheme and all the new options that you have, like, I, you know, it's pretty hard in good faith to recommend people go play the GameCube original over the new version, because it's just, you know, it's, it's just a lot more user-friendly, and I think it, you know, it's probably the best way to introduce somebody to that game. It's like um, a more, like you said, it's more streamlined. And to me, I like, even with the Silly Bloom effects on the characters it still look I, I think it looks better than the original still mm -hmm. in places Lights, it certainly does yeah like light light engine be damned i think it looks better maybe it's just because it's in hd and it doesn't have that i don't know sd grain to it right right always a plus yeah if i feel like wind waker hd is a lot faster because like they cut the time on like the load time between when you're changing your wind mm. Uh, the faster sail, the, you know, being able to use the grappling hook without being in a set position. Mm -hmm. And I forgot to mention earlier, they cut out the repeat uh, Wind Waker performances. Like when you play a song originally, you would hear it repeated back to you every time you used it. But in the new version, you only hear it the first time, like when you boot up the game. And yeah, yeah, like everything everything feels like quicker, yeah. which is weird because Wind Waker really didn't have a problem with things being slow, maybe besides the sailing, which I didn't mind the sailing, honestly. Yeah, me yeah. either, but I, I just know that a lot of people did and still do. But it's still nice to have like a little quicker and it kind of feels like it's like a steak. It's like a really good steak that you know and love, but now it's like some of the fat's cut off of it, so it's even better. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's just a leaner, easier to digest game. Right. All right, Trey, uh, what's next for your number two? My number two is uh, a weird one. Uh, and I, I actually transposed it with a different one. Um, originally, I was going to put Metal Gear Solid Twin Snakes here, but I 
I honestly think Metal Gear Solid 3D on the 3DS is a better remake. Um, most a lot a lot of the same reasons I lo- I like that game are the, a lot of the same reasons I like the um, uh, Ocarina of Time re- remake on the 3DS, uh, and that's because uh, you can do your entire cure menu and your camouflage menu on the bottom screen, and you don't have to hit pause. You just you just do it. Uh, some other. <laughs> Some other strange things they added was, of course, the 3D stuff, like during cutscenes, like when you first meet Ocelot and he's, he's like doing the the gun spins, and if you have the 3D cranked all the way up, he puts it right in your face. Oh, so wow. it's it's both silly nice. and jarring, but it's really fun at the same time. I've never gotten that far in Snake Eater 3D. Did they like actually redo the cutscenes, or is it just like the original cutscene but in 3D? Well, no, it's a complete ground floor remake, like. It's it's new models. Um, they had to reanimate all the. They probably just put the the old um, wireframe, the new models on the old wireframes. But it's the same same cutscenes. I mean, they didn't like do anything different with the cutscenes, other than they're the new models. Okay. And I don't I don't know if the dialogue was re-recorded because that all sounds the same too. I think the um, button prompts were re-recorded, but everything else was kept the same. Yeah. It's the same way on the HD collection for those games. Yeah. yeah, but we're hearing Zero say like, "Make sure you push the R one button." Yeah. <laughs> it's like, but what's that? Yeah, unfortunately, the PS two controller didn't have a touch screen. They weren't thinking that far ahead. Yeah. Oh, and it added just like Ocarina three D. It added um, motion aiming, which is actually pretty good, especially if you're trying to train guys right in the head. It's it's a bit it's much more one to one than using the than using the stick. That's also one of the first games to use the extra. Uh, 3ds add-on stick i don't remember what it was called mm-hmm. it has silly name but the it was an attachment pad pro yeah this the circle pad pro it was like a weird dock type addition you could put on your 3ds that added a right joystick uh-huh. which they would eventually just add a new joystick on all the the new 3ds's along with um had better processing power and better 3d yeah if you're playing better eye tracking. 3d nowadays make sure you play it on a new 3ds or a new 2ds with the second analog stick yeah because otherwise you're gonna have to aim with the d-pad and the d-pad on the original 3ds was buttons uh-huh <laughs> so it was not easy um it was not easy to aim in that game but it still performed well like it was like if you had motion turned on it was way easier uh, that game also added a really silly feature uh, where you could take pictures of things and turn them into camouflage. Oh, yeah. Did you use that? <laughs> oh, yeah. And, and I probably told you guys this once, but uh, one of my favorite things to do was take a picture of Kojima's face and use that as camouflage. <laughs> have 100% Kojima's... camo ratio. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> I had a magazine. I had a Game Informer that had his face in it. So I just took a picture of his face and used that for my camouflage for half oh, the game. God. I mean, I'd never... I, I've never played Snake Eater 3D. Like, to pull that game off on a 3DS does sound pretty impressive, and maybe I should go out and play it, because, like, Snake Eater is one of my favorite games of all time. Yeah, Spoiler. Same. So, like, maybe I should... Maybe if I find it for the cheap, I can... I'll get it. I think you can get I, it on the eShop for, like, um, 20 bucks. It's a pretty big yeah. download, though, so keep that in mind. You'll need a lot of space for it. Yeah, honestly, any game store that has it for has used 3ds games you'll you'll get it for dirt cheap it's not a hard to, it's not a hard to find game at all i've not played um all of snake eater 3d you know i'm a huge fan of the original game obviously but i've only kind of played around with it 
I would say Snake Eater 3D would be like the definitive the definitive way to experience that game if yeah. it was on the Wii U. Because while the th- the addition of the 3DS's like touchscreen is obviously a great fit for that game with all the menu usage that it necessitates, um, I just feel like the 3DS might like it, it is incredibly impressive that they got that game running on the 3DS. But the sacrifice right. to the frame rate to me is a little too big to ignore, and I also feel like with how you know how like beautifully designed and intricate that game is the resolution kind of lets it down but obviously like the gameplay enhancements you mentioned treyer you know a huge benefit to the game um i i especially yeah. uh, appreciate some of the stuff that they retroactively added from uh, mgs4 like crouch walking oh which yes. just saves a lot of time at the end of the day because it's basically you know it's basically like the same camo level as crawling but you can like slowly move around there's a lot of waiting in Snake Eater, so that just kind of, you know, it, it expedites the process in a nice way. Yeah. It sounds like, to me, it should have been on the Wii U rather than the 3DS. should have been. Can you imagine if that was a Wii U launch title? Like, God. I mean, oh. it probably wouldn't have saved the thing, but it would have done some good, I'll, <laughs> I'll tell you that. It wouldn't have hurt, that's, yeah. Uh-huh. It's like, yeah, I think a big, I think one of the very few flaws of Snake Eater is be in the pause and then heal yourself and then pause in the switch gun. Well, like you have like your loadout, but like you, do, if you want like a sniper rifle and you don't have a sniper rifle equipped, you got to pause, take something out, put something in, and, and camouflage. You have to pause and. I always thought that was weird in that the game camo. anyway. Like, if he's got it in his backpack, why can't he just like reach back and grab it? It has to equip. There's it. no button for that, Trey. Oh, but yeah, it's on, realistic. <laughs> yeah, on on 3ds, it's it's you know, in spite of the choppier frame rate, it is like a smoother experience, just having access to all that stuff, like at the touch of a button. Yeah, and and like you said earlier, it's kind of a slow game, and to me, having it portable allows you to put a lot of like, because you're like completely focused on it mm-hmm. while you're playing on a handheld. So to me, like. It's our Metal Gears are already games where you got to be patient to play them anyway, so that adds that added to the experience for me because I felt very like immersed while I was playing it on a handheld. Okay, did you use headphones? Uh, for partially I did, but I kind of already knew where things were coming up anyway because I'd played I'd played Subsistence on the PS2 already, so I, I knew the game. Ooh, that's a good one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is the way to play Metal Gear Solid 3 Snake Eater subsistence, in my opinion. Yeah, the oh, only yeah. the only version of Snake Eater to avoid is, well, Snake Eater. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, if you've got the that H... free-roaming camera, unfortunately. Yeah, that's one of the things they kept with the 3DS version. Thank goodness. Uh-huh, yeah. Well, I don't like see the game ever getting re-released, and it's... Like, the, you know, there are some situations where I like to get the lay of the land with the original camera angle, but for the most part, I kind of just want to have control of it. <laughs> Yeah. Well, it feels much more like an adventure game than it does like a like a war game. Yeah, or like like uh, the the first two uh, Metal Gear Solid games had more of an arcadey feel to them, but with yeah. like the more like organic and dense environments of three, I feel like the that. I mean, we're just talking about subsistence at this point instead of yeah, three D. But you know, free roaming camera was the way to go, and I'm glad that eventually they added that in. Yeah, and that's one of the things the the extra joystick helps with a lot 
in that version of the game. Uh, because otherwise, you're going to be using that D-pad, and the 3DS D-pad, like I said before, leaves much to be desired. See, that's, that's another reason why it would have been great on Wii U, because the Wii U has a second analog stick that you don't have to buy separately. Yeah, and it's battery-powered. Can you believe that? They couldn't somehow figure out how to have it leech power from the 3DS Wait, itself. Are you serious? The Circle Pad Pro took a, a, <laughs> oh, no. a double-A battery. I'm not even kidding. I didn't know that. That's amazingly terrible. <laughs> well, I was going to say, it makes me wonder how much it would be to get a, a Sucker Pad Pro now. I wonder if those are like dirt cheap or if they're like strange collector's items now. <laughs> People are paying you to take them off their hands. Please, <laughs> take it. It's draining my life force. <laughs> Anywho, I think Ethan's ready for his uh, number two. Number two. So, my number two was originally going to be a game we already told, which was uh, Wind Waker HD was originally going to be my number two, but I, I decided to it. change it. I decided to change it to another 3DS game. I'm going to go with The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time 3D, because it's one thing to get, like, like what my deal with Zero Mission is, it's, it's one thing to get an okay game and make it better, because you have a lot of room for improvement. But to get a game that's critically acclaimed to some to be, like, the greatest game of all time and make that even better, that's impressive. Yeah. Like, I agree time, you know, it's completely reworked from the ground up. I mean, the graphics look awesome, especially the 3D on it. Mm-hmm. has the uh, gyro controls for, like, your bow and your slingshot, which is pretty pretty fun to work with. Um, some of the... They made, like, some small changes here and there. Like, the iron boots is now a C item. Thank as God. in now... Now you're not pausing 20 times on uh, Water Temple. That is the number one reason to play that version of the game. Uh-huh. <laughs> and and uh, speaking of Water Temple, they actually made it a little more organized while like, color-coding the floors mm-hmm. yeah. a little bit. So now the Water Temple is not a complete like maze, which, I mean, I didn't have a problem with. I had a little bit of a problem with Water Temple, but like I kind of knew my way around it. Yeah, somebody who's new at Ocarina of Time is probably going to get lost in the Water Temple, but thank you, thankfully for this version, it's that's not so much the case. Also, it comes with the Master Quest dungeons after you beat the game, so that's pretty cool. Yeah. And it flips the world just like the original. So it's well, no, the, the like... original didn't do that. Or, uh, sorry, the GameCube release of Master Quest didn't have the mirrored world. That was added for the 3DS version. But again, good choice oh. just to make it feel distinct from your first playthrough. Yeah. So wait, the, hey. the GameCube one wasn't flipped? I thought it was. Nope. Nope. It wasn't. Whoa. This blew my mind. Yeah, Ocarina 3D, I think you could make a case. As far as, like, the Zelda remakes go, I would say that, like, Wind Waker is the one that improved on the original the most. But Ocarina 3D is probably the one that, I would say, as a remake, is the most successful. Because, you know, Wind Waker, like, improved on the gameplay, but I feel like the graphics kind of let it down at times. Whereas Ocarina 3D, like with a few very, very minor exceptions, like, is just gorgeous. Like, it looks yeah. like what they, you know, and this was their intent, but what the original game would have looked like had the hardware been capable of, you know, more detailed character models and textures. Yeah, I mean, I can't really add much more to what Ethan said. Like, it, it took a game that was already, like, incredibly solid, and, you know, obviously Ocarina's reputation precedes it, but they took a game that was already a legend and just made it even more legendary. I'm cringing as <laughs> I legend. say these words, but they're true, people. They're true! <laughs> the biggest improvement to me 
um, is the updated like character models because like in 64 character models are all made out of triangles. So having them look like people and not not triangles um, was the biggest improvement to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, just having that it, it it gave it a more real feel, uh, even on a tiny screen. So I don't know. That was one of my biggest takeaways from that game. Just not being like it's still a great game, but the original's kind of ugly. <laughs> well, and like Ethan mentioned, the 3D is a great fit for Ocarina of Time. Like you wouldn't think it, but yeah. Then you boot up the game and you're oh yeah, there's this like first person flying sequence with Navi, and it's just you know it, it almost feels like it was made to be a stereoscopic 3D game, as opposed to an old game like retrofitted to be a 3D game. Yeah. Also, another great thing about it is, is that uh, Ocarina 3D doesn't run at flipping 15 <laughs> to 20 frames a second. Mm-hmm. It actually oh, runs yeah. really smoothly. Also a plus, yeah. I, I honestly say, if you're going to play Ocarina of Time, the ultimate way to play it is definitely getting it on the 3DS. And you can get it pretty cheap, probably for like 15 20 bucks new. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Well, and like I said with uh, Snake Eater, it is available on the eShop for 20 So, you know, as the, one of the Nintendo selects. So... Yeah, yeah. I remember it's, it's my when, recommendation. When it came out, it was a launch window game, uh, and I remember uh, highly anticipating that game because uh, I I was an early adopter of 3ds, but there wasn't anything out on it for the first like two weeks. So I was like, well, I guess I'll just play more Pokemon Black and White until uh, Ocarina comes out. You didn't play Face Raiders or whatever it was called. <laughs> well, I played that too. <laughs> Face Raiders and Me Plaza. God, to this Those day, I, don't, I still don't think I've ever booted up Face Raiders. But I also got my 3DS like weeks before Pokemon X and Y came out. Oh. So I was kind of like a mid, mid-era adopter. To me, Pokemon X and Y is, well, we'll, we'll save that for another episode. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be here all night. Can I be I on that episode? Mm-hmm. That game. Choose your answer wisely. All right, Trey, uh, I guess you're up. So what is your number one video game remake of all time? Number one. Uh, Well, the number one video game remake of all time, and I'm pretty sure we all share the same one, Mm -hmm. possibly, uh, is Pokemon Heart Gold and Soul Silver. Yep. (laughs) Yeah, that's my number one. Surprise, surprise, we all three picked the same one. What a co-inky thing. Where do you even start with a game like this? Like, Like, Gen 2... Pokemon is already like incredibly revered as a great sequel already in its own right. Like it's also like like Gold and Silver are one of the best sequels of a game because it added so much. Like it added the extra types. It added like two, it's basically two games in one. Like there's two whole adventures or like one and a half adventures really in the original. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, how do you remake one of the best sequels of all time? And make it just ten times better with the Gen Four engine, giving it the the attack special and attack split, uh, having your Pokemon follow you, that updated soundtrack. Like, there's so many things to talk about. I can't. I don't even know where to start. Well, I think the big difference is like graphically. I think is the big difference because like you got you can only do so much with the Game Boy Color, where there's like parts. And part gold, soul, silver that are just beautiful. My example being right before you go into, I think it's Burn Tower. One of the towers the is, bell it's tower. like this, 
yeah, it's like this all these like fall trees like on the like going around and it just looks incredible. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. I, I think for me, um Heart Gold and Soul Silver were the first DS Pokemon games that looked like a significant step up from the previous generation. Because with Diamond and Pearl, I, I, I honestly feel like they could have done a lot more with those games visually. Platinum was a bit um, more well-realized in terms of art style, but Heart Gold and Soul Silver, I just remember like every town you hit kind of has its own flavor to it. And they even took it further than the original in some ways, where um, originally um, Ecritique City and uh, Cyanwood had the same music track. Whereas in the remake, yeah. they have it's based on the same song, but they all, they each have their own like appropriate remix of it. Like Ecrutiques is more like like traditional like Japanese music to match the architecture, whereas Cyanwood yeah. is a lot more kind of lonely and low key for this kind of you know this kind of out of the way island at the corner of the map. And it just you know they really just God just in the visuals department, they did an outstanding job of like. Just, just giving each little corner of the game so much like personality and flavor, and also just God, you're right, Trey. Where do you even start with this thing? Yeah, <laughs> like I, I think, I, I one, think of the... um, one of the things you have to commend Heart Gold and Soul Silver for is that while Gen Two did have like a ton of content compared to its predecessor. Um, as far as the uh, the returning Kanto region goes, they did have to cut a lot of the areas uh, to save time and presumably memory space. Like, Verdian Forest is kind of nerfed. There's no Safari Zone. Um, you can't uh, get access to, like, the legendary birds or Mewtwo. But all of that stuff was added back in in um, Heart Gold and Soul Silver, including, yeah. like, legendary Pokemon from other generations, like... Uh, Kyogre, Groudon, and Rayquaza, I think, are obtainable in some of the new areas that they added to Johto, as yeah. well as the Safari... Oh my god, there's so much to this game! <laughs> oh yeah, they they added the Safari Zone, but they made it different. They made it, like, customizable, so, mm -hmm. like, you could catch, like, diff weirder Pokemon whenever you put, whenever you put, like, weird, different objects inside the Safari Zone. It's craziness. And, and, take notes, Fire Red and Leaf Green... They even included like some of the new Gen 4 evolved forms of older Pokemon in the Johto decks. So like you yeah. can train a Mamoswine and take it to the Elite Four, whereas in you know, if you try to evolve your go your Golbat in Fire Red and Leaf Green, it's like, uh huh? That's weird. Can't do it. Something happened, but then it didn't. Another thing is it also came with the Pokewalker, which oh I actually God, used so every now fun. and again. Yes. I mean, I mean, it's 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 a little thing. It, what people don't know is it's like this little like kind of Tamagotchi thing where you can actually put your Pokemon on there. And you can walk around. And you can level them up, get some items. Mm -hmm. You know, it's kind of an inner. It's kind of an incentive to like go out for walks or you know exercise with this Pokewalker, which is kind of a cool toy. Yeah, before there was Pokemon Go, there was the Heart Gold Soul Silver Pokewalker, yeah. and I believe there were certain Pokemon like special Pokemon that you could get um, using the Pokewalker. Though I don't quite remember exactly how that worked well one of the notable ones to me because one of my favorite gen 2 pokemon is houndoom or houndour and i know if you've gotten if you'd gotten uh, made enough progress in the pokewalker mini games you if you had the right route unlocked you could get him before the elite four unlike in the main quest where you can't get him till you go to kanto oh, yeah, so it's kind of like a workaround 
yeah, as just as like a new version of the uh, the Generation Two games, um, Heart Gold and Soul Silver just give you so much of a more robust set of options to play around with. Because you know, not only do you have more Pokemon to choose from because of the new areas and the new evolved forms that are available, but you also have better and more robust move sets. Like for me, one of the hardest things about going back to Generations One and Two is that I feel like Game Freak's idea of balance at that point was to give, like, Pokemon with good stats bad moves to, like, make a, like a level playing field. Pokemon um, that had bad stats but better moves. So it's nice to just, you know, like, for instance, you could get a Heracross before the uh, third uh, normal-type gym in Gen 2, but it couldn't learn any fighting type moves. But in, you know, lo and behold, Gen 4, you can get a TM and just teach him Brick Break on your way in there and yeah. make things a little so easier can actually, for yourself. He, he can actually use his typing advantage. There's just so much to say about this game. It's just, I'll be honest, it's one of the probably top 10 favorite games of all time is Pokemon Heart Gold and Soul Silver. It's just yeah. so well done. It's like, like I said before, when a remake gets done well, it's a love letter to fans of the series, and that's what this feels like. It's a love letter for Gen 2 people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and it also it's a new adventure for the next generation after us. So it's just, overall, I've, n- I've honestly never heard anyone say anything bad about Pokemon Heart Gold and Soul Silver, and it shows because, like, they put a lot of love into this game, and I really enjoy it. So now that we're, we've gushed all over. Um, Heart Gold, Soul Silver. Should we talk about our honorable mentions? Oh yes, of course. We kind of skipped over oh, those, yes. didn't we? <laughs> we were gonna do those before this. Um, oh yeah. So so here's where I make up for all of the great remakes that people always talk about that I unfortunately haven't played, or at least one of them. Namely, um, I wanted to bring special mention, of course, to the Resident Evil remake from 2002, which I own and I've played like the first few hours of it. Um, I didn't feel comfortable including it on my list just because I haven't completed it and I didn't feel like I could talk about it in detail, but just my, from my early impressions, it is an, it's an excellent, like, it feels like a, again, it feels like the original Resident Evil, like, the hardware wasn't really there for what they wanted to do, so with the remake, they just kind of rebuilt the same game, like, with the new hardware in mind, and they managed to create something that is, like, genuinely, like, atmospheric and spooky and scary to play you know not just from a visual standpoint like you you know well you know it's resident evil you 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 plan out your route you try to get around the zombies and yeah there's a reason i didn't put this on my list because i can't i clearly can't talk about it but it it is it was it did really impress me and i'm looking forward to finishing it um my second uh actually do we want to just go around in a circle for honorable mentions uh i i have two honorable mentions so okay well, I've got three. I have a lot of honorable mentions. <laughs> okay. Well, I guess I'll just go through mine then. Oh. Um, my second right. honorable mention uh, is another Metroid 2 remake, uh, which, mm. to be fair, is a fan project, but it just impressed me so much that I, you know, I could not help but give it a shout-out. Uh, for me, it kind of strikes a nice balance between the 2D Metroid style and, like, the more slow-paced, like, lore-oriented Prime style. Um... And it's just, just as a remake of Metroid 2, I feel like it, it almost does a better job than Zero Mission does of, like, staying true to the original spirit of that game while adding new content and, like, quality of life features from future Metroid games. Um, 
you know it's 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 still out there so check it out if you're if you're so inclined they have been updating and it's got a bunch of cool new features and my final um honorable mention is and you're gonna roll your eyes at me but the 2011 uh christian whitehead remake of sonic cd which you know again might not seem like a remake but they did rebuild the game from the ground up like with a newer and much smoother uh physics engine and also with lots of new um fun options for players like you know you can unlock tails if you can if you beat the game which is a really good fit for sonic cd you know the ability to fly in these levels that you have to explore really helpful yeah also for the first time we have a version of sonic cd that has both the uh, u.s and the japanese soundtracks so it was great to finally be able to play the game like with the you know its original music um and yeah just you know it's in widescreen it's in hd it's got even more features than what i've described here it's just you know just a great solid way to play sonic cd in the modern age where, where can you get that uh remake is um, it for any console or pc or it's on steam i think it's on ps3 and xbox 360 i don't know if they ported okay. it forward. yeah that's i played it on three i played it on 360 so um actually the original version of this game and i think the one that's the most up to date is actually the um ios version because that was christian whitehead's whole um like pitch to sega is like hey i made a version of sonic cd that runs like off of like ios hardware and they were like hire this man so <laughs> you know there you go the original like fan ascended to developer story yeah isn't he the same guy that helped him develop sonic mania mm-hmm. yeah yeah yep. this this is kind of where it all began like with with without the sonic cd 2011 remake we never would have gotten mania so oh wow two games from 2011 in the in our lineup of good games oh yeah do you want to i'll let you guys fight it out over who, who gets to go next i guess uh, I have a few honorable mentions. Uh, some of them I'll skim over because I haven't played them completely. Uh, I've mostly watched other people play them, like on Let's Plays and stuff, but I, I appreciate what I've seen. Um, but the, the one that I've played and beat is my honorable mention. Uh, we're all big fans of the Team Eco games, um, notably Shadow of the Colossus. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they redid that game, uh, re-recorded all the music, updated the visuals to... The game was already gorgeous, but it's even more gorgeous on the PS4 with that engine behind it. So, like, if you're if you want to play Shadow of the Colossus uh, in widescreen with a gorgeous texture pack, play the PS4 version. It's like twenty bucks. Mm-hmm. It's dirt cheap now. And if you've got yeah. a PS4 Pro, you can play the game at sixty FPS. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and earlier I mentioned. Uh, the twin Metal Gear Solid won the Twin Snakes for the GameCube. Uh, that's not cheap. Uh, I picked up a copy for like sixty bucks the other day. Um, if if you don't want to play with the clunky version of the original Metal Gear Solid, uh, and you have the money to spend, um, get Twin Snakes. They re-recorded all the dialogue so it sounds more clear. Um, and it's running, I want to say it's running on the MGS2 in- engine. It runs, on the, it runs on the MGS2 engine. So that means you can go into first person view. I know that like completely takes out the suspense of the revolver ocelot fight in that game, but like <laughs> that, it, it definitely looks and sounds and plays better than the original. It's way smoother. Um, so if, if, if you want to play MGS one, I would say that's. That's a good way to play it. You know, it's not to me. I wouldn't say it's the definitive version, but it's still a version of the game. Like, go out and play it. 
the other one that uh, I have on here that's one of the ones that I've played is the Crash Bandicoot collection that came out. Um, and I guess also the, the Spyro the Dragon. That's not one I've played, but both of those collections are actually pretty good ways to play both trilogies of games. Yeah, pretty good value, um, too. Oh, yeah, because I paid... I think that's another one that's like $20. You get three full um, platformers for the price of... For $20, I mean, that's hella good. Like, that's another one where they updated all the visuals. I don't know if they re-recorded dialogue. Like, a lot of it sounds like the old dialogue. Like, the performances are new, but the script is more or less the same, I think. Yeah. Uh, There is some collision issues in the Crash Collection, I do know that. Uh, Where the models don't exactly, like... Well, if you don't know what collision is, it's like when you're a person on a platformer doesn't quite make it up onto a platform. Mm-hmm. Or if, like, an enemy hits you and you're like, I was, like, at least a whole character away from that enemy. How did it hit me? <laughs> yeah, what, basically what's happening with the gameplay doesn't match what's happening with the graphics, if that makes any sense. Yeah, so there's a little bit of relearning uh, that goes into it. But, like, the levels are still the same. Um so if you're not a speedrunner of the game, it won't really, like, affect you. <laughs> but if you're someone who, like, really likes super tight controls, I would say go back to the, the originals. Because the originals still control really well. Mm-hmm. And you can get those for, like, dirt cheap on the, the PS3 store. I think they're, like, $10 a piece. Six bucks, but actually. If, oh, wow. Yeah, even better. <laughs> um, my last one... Um, I do have a couple just like honorable mentions, like honorable honorable mentions. <laughs> the the Final Fantasy VII remake, even though it's only like a quarter of the game, like a quarter of the story, dang good game. Uh, completely new graphics, one hundred percent spoken word. Like they went from completely text based to everything's recorded, everything is said. Like if you don't have subtitles on, you don't need them. Um, and they kind of added some stuff to the story. Like especially near the end of it, so if if you're ready for Nomura to have his way with the story, just remember if you are if you are a uh, Kingdom Hearts fan, um, he stuck his finger in the pie of Final Fantasy VII, so get ready for shenanigans. Uh-oh. But overall, it's a good remake. Uh, the combat, uh, speaking of Kingdom Hearts, is a lot like Kingdom Hearts. Uh, it's a little more like ATB uh, bar based, so like it's not one hun- it's not one to one combat like Kingdom Hearts style is, but it's pretty close. Uh, and the other one is one me and Ethan played together was the Twilight Princess, Zelda the Twilight Princess uh, remake. Or I guess kind of remake up res that they put on the Wii U. Right. Um, like, I know they updated a lot of the graphics and they made it sound and look a little better, but there's some, like, small tweaks that are just kind of silly. But if you are going to play the game, like, if you want a way to play it modern day, that's the way to do it. If you don't want to pay an arm and a leg for the GameCube version. Hey, it's got hero mode. And that Ganondorf amiibo. Like, two things that I feel like Twilight Princess kind of needed. Like, some, you know, some extra challenge. So, that's appreciated. I would argue about the HD one being the better version. I think it's worth every penny if you can find the GameCube version. But that's just my personal opinion. Yeah. That's funny. I'm I'm a Wii version guy. Gotta have that waggle. Well, no, gotta have that trifecta. It's the oh, Triforce of Twilight Princess group games. Yeah. <laughs> so we got me with the GameCube version, we got Joe with the Wii version, and we got Trey with the HD version. Together, so how would those correspond to Twilight courage, Princess. wisdom, and power? Well, the Wii U's the strongest, so I'll, I'll claim power. 
I feel like dealing with waggle controls uh, mandates some kind of courage, so I'm gonna take that for myself. So I guess you're wisdom, right. Ethan. Well, honestly, I guess honestly, I get that by default. Yeah, because it's the, you gotta be—it's the smartest decision. That's yeah. Right. <laughs> it's like yeah, it's expensive, so, but it's the best one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I only have two honorable mentions. My first one is actually a uh, another Kirby game. It's Kirby Superstar Ultra. Ooh, that's a good one. I actually, I actually just got—I actually ended up getting this game right after I played through Kirby's Adventure for the first time. So it kind of goes full circle. And luckily when this happened, Kirby Superstar Ultra just came out on the DS. So I was like, hey, there's a new Kirby game. I'll try it. Because I didn't know. Honestly, I didn't know it was a remake of Superstar. Or, like, I honestly didn't know about Kirby Superstar. I was just getting into Kirby. Because, I, like I said, I just did Kirby's Adventure. And I feel like this game was just, like, made to be on the DS. It's just really well done. It's all cleaned up. It's, like, I tried. I played this. Then later on, I played the original Superstar. It was just, like... I want to play Ultra, you know? Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's, that's the sign of a good remake where you get a game that's already good and making it even better. Because you had the argument about, like, you know, you, you don't like it when a remake replaces the old game, but I feel like that's a sign of a good remake is when you have a game that you have older fans can fall in love with it and it feels like a love letter while at the same time having it feel fresh and new. You know, what? it feels familiar but new. That's I feel like that's the sign of a really good remake and Kirby Superstar Ultra does that. That's like what you would want to aim for as a developer. Like that's that's like your biggest goal when you're doing a, a a remake like that. So it sounds like that one's pretty pretty darn good. Yeah, they they added a ton of new modes that are pretty fun and some really tough bosses in like the the true arena that you unlock for completing everything else. Um, I would have put Superstar Ultra as my like number three if it weren't for i feel like the music is unfortunately kind of downgraded like the, the, it kind of sounds the way that the um to go back to heart gold soul silver for a little bit um in that game you can unlock an option to revert the music back to the original game boy style but unfortunately it's not the actual game boy songs it's just like synth to make it sound like that and that's kind of how superstar ultra is where it's like it doesn't it just sounds a little bit off and kind of flat unfortunately and like for me the music of kirby superstar is enough of a selling point of it that i would still like play the super nintendo version a lot of the time over ultra just because you know the presentation comes together a little better i feel but um in terms of content like superstar ultra is about all that like you could have asked for and at my last honorable mention, which is funny you re mentioned uh, Resident Evil, because my last honorable mention is the Resident Evil 2 remake that came out recently. Ooh, well, it recently yeah. isn't like last year, the recording of this podcast. Um, kind of like Metroid Zero Mission, where you had an engine that people loved with Resident Evil 4, and then you kind of like got an older game that was really, that was good with Resident Evil 2, and you just kind of made a sandwich with them, and it, it, it tasted pretty good. Mm -hmm. I mean, what am I favorite things about Resident Evil 2 Remake is, and it's kind of like this in the original, is when you start playing, you're kind of worried about what's on every corner, so you're kind of playing it slow, and like a very slow, like cautious pace, but then when you have Mr. X come into the game and play, you know, he's making you play at a speed that you're not comfortable with, and I think it just adds way more tension, way more fear, way more excitement into the game. He's kind of like the pyramid head in... Um, Silent Hill. He's there to like, kind of like move you along. Or Nemesis from Resident Evil Three. Oh yeah, I remember that game, the Resident Evil Two remake. Like when it came out, that was like a, a whole like seasons worth of 
like uh, like let's players and like meme machines came out of <laughs> out of that game. And I I don't even remember seeing much marketing for that game either. It kind of came and just kind of exploded all over the place. Like fans really dug it. Mm-hmm. I feel like it got a lot of new people into it too because of that. Well, that's good. Let's just let's just hope that future Resident Evil games continue along the path of um, you know celebrating the survival horror elements of the series. You know, even if it isn't like in the original fixed camera style, they figure out a way to like translate those things into the new gameplay style. Yeah, I feel like I feel like with like four style, I felt like. This is a really good way to play a game. This is a good engine, and then unfortunately, with five and six is where they kind of went, kind of went cuckoo with the story and all that uh-huh. stuff. <laughs> that seven was the first person style, which is still great, still a good game. But it's like I always wanted to play like that old Resident Evil Four style, and then you know Resident Evil Two remake comes out, and it kind of was the best of both worlds, in my opinion. Right. Plus, they brought back everyone's favorite boy, Leon. Yeah. Leon. Swoopy name. hair, mega kick, McGee. <laughs> I'm I'm fresh out of remakes, but maybe one day we'll get a chance to talk about bad remakes. Oh boy, I could tell you a few of those. I'm I'm looking at a list, and they're all they're all Nintendo games. That's my that's my thing with remakes is that like I love me a good remake when it comes along, but I feel like a lot of the time until I play it for myself and see that it's. You know that they didn't screw it up. I'm just on pins and needles, like, oh no, this game that I love is gonna be ruined. Everybody's gonna love it, and I'm gonna be all alone. <laughs> I'm gonna be the one dissenter among my people. Maybe I need to talk to a psychiatrist. I don't know. Never mind. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, my closing thoughts are gonna be: uh, you can check out Joe and Trey. I'll, I forgot your name there for a moment. <sighs> On uh, Gearshet Games on YouTube, it's a Let's Play channel. They play games, and sometimes I'm on there, sometimes I'm not. But it's a pretty fun, pretty fun thing to watch. So go and check that out. He's um, on there right now. We're doing uh, Banjo Kazooie playthrough, and that's yeah. going pretty well so far. Right. So that's something to check out if you kind of like content like this. You like us guys here. Um, that's you know if you want more. If you want more Ethan, you want more Joe, you want more Trey, you can you can check out Gearshet Games. All right. Well, thanks for the plug, and thanks for having us on, Ethan. This is a lot of fun. Yeah, we'll have you get. We'll have you again sometime. We as in me, <laughs> the collective Ethan. We, we as in us. We're all we're all friends here. I think. All right. All right. Well, without further ado, I hope you all have a great day, and I'll see you next time. Peace. Bye.